you know what would just shock the people of the world? Uh, tomorrow you're in line at Walmart, maybe you're at the gas station, uh, maybe you're at the doctor's appointment, just start singing a little bit, okay? Uh, now they're probably going to think you're weird, but to be honest, I know most of you and they probably already think you're weird, uh, and so that's okay, we are a peculiar people, right? Uh, just start singing about the Lord, and I assure you, sooner or later, somebody's going to say, what are you singing about? Because there's not a whole lot to sing about, is there? You can't sing about the economy, definitely can't sing about gas prices, uh, can't sing about much about to be optimistic in our world today. But as a child of God, we've got something to sing about. Does it matter what's going on? Does it matter who's in or out of office? Does it matter what the world looks like? We've got something to sing about tonight. So as a child of God, look, you may not be good at witnessing. All right, everybody gets scared of witnessing, uh, passing out a gospel track. Everybody gets kind of nervous about that. Look, here's a great opportunity for you to get the door open just by start singing, okay? Just start singing, Jesus loves me, amazing grace, something along that line. Uh, you could even start singing one of the songs, you know, deep and wide from your childhood, if that's all you can remember. And uh, whether or not you can carry your tune or not, sooner or later, you're going to catch the attention of somebody, and they're going to ask you what you got to sing about. Now look, when they ask you that, there's your chance, okay? That's the fastball down the center. You take it over the fence as soon as they ask you what you've got to sing about because you've got something a lot of people in this world don't have. And if you're saved, you've got Jesus, and that's all you ever need to sing about. You can sing about him in the rain. You can sing about him during a pandemic. You can sing about him in good times, bad times, economically. And uh, you have no idea what the witness could be if you just sang a little bit. And it's just good to hear you sing tonight. And good to be in church on a Wednesday night, isn't it? Uh, I know we've still got a lot of folks that are out for this, that, and the other with uh, sickness and whatnot, but it's good to be here, and it's good to be here for the privilege of praying for one another, isn't it? Uh, my phone rang just about all day today with prayer requests coming in from different people. Usually on Wednesdays it does, and text messages coming in, and uh, how wonderful it was to share with those people that I would be sharing those prayer requests with our church and uh, through our prayer list tonight. So be, be sure to hold up your end of the bargain and pray for those who've asked us to pray for them tonight. All right, it's 723, okay? I'm going to go ahead and give you the time. That way you're not going to get embarrassed by looking at your watch. Let's turn to Lamentations chapter number 5 tonight. Lamentation chapter 5. We've been here now since uh, the end of January, reading through the book of Lamentations. And I want to point something out to you. Uh, we're in the last chapter. And so if you've enjoyed the lessons in Lamentations, you might be disappointed the next couple of weeks as we wrap up. Uh, if you have not enjoyed them, you'll be excited to know we'll be moving on very soon. But you look down, Lamentations chapter number 5, uh, verse number 21. There is our theme verse for the year. And it's what we're praying for. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. There's our theme. It's all over our walls. Renew our days as of old. Now, that's the verse we've been locked in on. We've been trying to hone in on that one ever since January, but we had to get the context of what Lamentations is all about. Basically, you're reading the eulogy of a city, uh, people that turn their back on God. And unfortunately, you're reading a lot uh, about the end of the road that I believe we've just started down as a country, and God's preserved this for us to learn by their example, okay? Not to learn to do what they did, but to learn not to do what they did. I've told you many times, as a middle child, I learned from my older sister and my younger brother. I mean, my younger brother, he should have been the smartest one of us all uh, because he got to watch the mistakes his sister made and the mistakes that I made, and he should just be able to walk on water. Why? Because we learn from people who came before us. I mean, if I saw my sister get a spanking for something, I made a note of that. Don't do that. Why? Funny thing, I don't like spankings. And funny thing, my dad was good at them. 
Uh, and so I really didn't like them. It wasn't those little spankings that kids get nowadays, all right? It wasn't time out, go stand in the corner. It was a four real, we call it here in the South, whooping, all right? And I did not enjoy it in the least. And so I didn't want that to happen to me. So I tried to make a mental note, whatever they did, especially if it was a good one. You know, sometimes moms and dads are like our heavenly father. They're merciful, aren't they? Mom and dad, you ought to be merciful every once in a while, okay? Uh, you know, you just kind of go through the motions. All right, now don't you do that again, all right? Now, sometimes those aren't too bad. But when your brother or sister got one, and I mean they got one, you know, mom and dad closed the door, you know it's going to be a bad one, right? And you hear the weeping and wailing and the gnashing of teeth. When they come out, you say, what did you do? And you make a middle note, don't ever go there. Okay, that's what Lamentations is, all right? This is a people who are coming out of mom and dad's bedroom, and they just got, listen, they just got a whooping. And God says, I want you to know what happened to them because I don't want it to happen to you. Now, chapter number five, we're really wrapping up this whole lesson of Lamentations uh, that we've been in. And uh, tonight, we're going to share with you one more, maybe next week one more, uh, but then we're going to hone in on our theme verse, verse number 20. So if you would, I want you to look at chapter five. We finished chapter four last week. Let's pick up in verse one. The Bible says, remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. Our inheritance has turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. Now, for those of you wondering, we're not talking about outer space. I know some of you were thinking about that, all right? We're just talking about foreigners. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Servants have ruled over us. There is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. We get our bread, the Bible says, with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. Princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind, and the children fell under the wood. Well, there's a lot there. We're going to unravel uh, in the next little while, so let's pray and ask the Lord to give us what we need. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for this account, how terrible it is. Or how terrible it is that a people went through this because they turned their back on you. But Father, thank you for loving us enough to preserve it, that we could read it and we could learn from it. I pray we do just that tonight. Father, whether or not we can turn this country around, I, I don't know. But Father, I believe we can turn our families around. And Father, I believe we can turn our, our city around. Lord, if we'll just as your people, uh, Lord, learn from these mistakes, learn these lessons and lamentations. And Lord, I pray you'd speak ever so clearly tonight, far better than I can, and help us receive and respond to the message, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, tonight as we look at chapter number five, we're seeing once again the burden that sin always brings with it. All right? Now, the devil would have you know differently. He would have you to think that sin causes you to leave behind a burden and not to be burdened by something because, you know, living for God is burdensome sometimes, isn't it? The devil would have you to think that it's easy when you're living a life outside and away from God and outside the will and word of God, but what Lamentations is showing us is really those side effects of sin, 
Okay? Uh, now, the devil has fine print in all the agreements we make with him. I think the devil probably invented fine print. Wouldn't you agree? That fine print that you don't see when you sign the contract where you're very excited about that 0% interest rate and, man, I can't believe this. I'm getting it for face value and I don't have to pay any interest, but you're reading that fine print. And, buddy, if you miss a day or you're late on that payment one day or maybe even one hour, all of a sudden all of that interest comes compounded on top of you, and you're wishing you'd known all the details before you made the agreement. That's the way it is with the devil. The devil doesn't want you to know that, and although sin doesn't carry with it an immediate aftershock, oftentimes the effects of sin, listen, even though they're not immediate, they're going to be definite, okay? Okay. Understand tonight that even though you may not carry the full effects of sin immediately, it's going to be definite. Why? Because the Bible says, be not deceived, that he's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's going to be side effects to this. Now, tonight there's some specific verses I want you to see in those that we read. We'll not have time to unravel them all, but look at verse number one, and there's a word in each of these verses I want you to see. The Bible says in verse one, remember, O Lord, what is come. Now, watch the next word, upon. Remember the word upon. Look down, if you will, to verse number five. The Bible says, our necks are what? Under. Our necks are under persecution. Look at verse seven. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne, that's the word I want you to remember in verse seven, their iniquity. And then in verse 13, the last verse we read, the Bible says, they took the young men to grind, and the children fell what? Under. The children fell, fell under. Now, notice these words, upon under, born, and we see under repeated again. Now, clearly, God is showing us that the consequences of sin are weighing down upon his people. You see that? The Bible says it's upon them. It's weighing down upon them. They are under it. They are carrying it or bearing it. It says they are born, and then the Bible says they are under. Now, here's what's amazing. Oftentimes, the reason we cast away God and we cast away his will is because we believe when we cast away God, we are lightening our load. But the truth of the matter is tonight, when we cast away God, we're trading the burden of being a follower of God for a much heavier one that comes with the consequences of sin. All right, you see that? Now, tonight, I brought my daughter's backpack up here tonight as an illustration for you. Man, you, you lighten the load. There's not a lot in there. I carry this up the stairs at the school every morning for her uh, while she's going to her locker. Why? Because it's a heavy load. We have, look, pound for pound, Central Baptist School has the best education in town. I can tell you that because I carry her backpack up the stairs every morning to school. All right? Now, oftentimes, here's what we think. We're bearing the load of being a believer in Christ. Can I tell you, listen, the honest truth tonight. That following after God and being a believer in Christ is burdensome. It really is. Now, I only got two amens out of that, so I'm going to have to read a scripture to back that up, all right? I don't think you believe me. Luke 9, 23, what does the Bible say? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up, all right, take up his cross and follow me. What does that mean? That means being a follower of Christ, listen, being a follower of God, there is a burden that comes along with that. By the way, that's why most modern woke churches today do not preach on righteousness and holiness and separation and fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because they're burdensome to people. You tell people they live righteously and live to live holily and to live separated from the world, that's a burden on people. Why? Because we want to blend in, right? And being separated is a burden. You don't believe it, just try it. 
Try to live separated from the world. It's a burdensome thing for us to do. And so here's what the devil comes along. He says, look, carrying that burden of righteousness, carrying that burden of being holy, carrying that burden of being a separated Christian and a Christian who's growing in his walk with Christ, look, why don't you just throw it down? It's heavy. And so we think, you know what? That's true. It'd be a whole lot easier on me if I just, you know, threw off this burden. But watch this. When you unload your righteousness, you know what? I'm tired of carrying the burden of righteousness. I'm tired of carrying the burden of being a separated Christian. I'm tired of carrying the burden of being a follower of Christ. And you throw away your righteousness. Now watch this. If you unload righteousness, do you know what you've become? Unrighteous. You see what happens? Watch this. I just took my load that I was bearing and I just laid it down, all right? That's what we do with righteousness. We're not preaching it anymore. Now look, I'm not saying being an ogre and be mean and beat people over the head with it, but righteousness is in the word of God. Therefore, we preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Being holy is in the word of God. Being separated. Now watch, the devil came up to Judah and he says to them, look, why don't you just cast off that load of being righteous? And they said, you know what? It would be a whole lot easier. We would blend in with the surrounding nations if we did that. And all of a sudden, they laid down the load of their righteousness only to carry a heavier load of the consequences of living unrighteously. Now, folks, that's what the devil's not going to tell you. The Bible teaches righteousness and holiness, a transformed life and separation. They are heavy loads. That's why not a lot of people are doing it. That's why most Christians blend in. Why? Because it's a burden. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, I want you to watch this. The Bible says now they're under a load that they cannot bear. Verse 1. He says, O Lord. It says, Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. It says, God, we're carrying something. Verse number 5. We're under something that's heavy. Verse number 7, we're bearing something. We're born, the Bible says, their iniquity. Verse 13, the Bible says the young men, that the children fell under the wood. Now, folks, can I tell you the burden of righteousness tonight is heavy. The burden of living a holy life, a separated life. Listen, they are heavy. But the burden of righteousness is nothing compared to the byproduct and the consequences of sin. You have no idea the burden you'll bear for living a life contrary to the will and the word of God. And Lamentations is showing us just what that burden looks like. So tonight, here's what we're going to look at, just for a few minutes. This is why we need to learn this, uh, one of the last lessons of the book of Lamentations, and that's the lesson of the load. The lesson of the load. Tonight, I want to show you to see, help you see the weight of sin uh, and show you why it is not worth it, okay? Now, let's go back to chapter 5, verse number 1, and let's begin reading again. Uh, the Bible says, remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. So here's what I want you to see. Jeremiah is giving us an eyewitness account of what's going on here. He's standing there in the desolation, in the ruin of a city that abandoned righteousness and holiness uh, and being separated for God. They abandoned that and they became an unrighteous people. Now he gives us an eyewitness account in verse 2 down through verse number 5 of exactly what he's seeing. It says, our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. We're orphans, fatherless, mothers are widows. We have drunken our water for money. Our wood is sold unto us. As Jeremiah stands there and he looks across at this city, he's seeing that the sin load that they chose to carry as a consequence has now reached into every part of their city. 
It's affecting everyone that's there, the children, the moms, the dads. It's affected their property. Now, this is important to understand tonight. The reason you need to understand the fine print of the consequences of sin is, number one, notice the load of sin is limitless. The load of sin is limitless. Now, Jeremiah is showing us that sin did not spare anything. He can't find anything good in this city to talk about. I mean, there's nothing left. Look at verse 2. Our inheritance is turned into strangers, our houses to aliens. Verse 2 shows us there's not a place that hasn't been affected by sin. Verse 3 shows us there's not people that haven't been affected by the sin. Verse 4 shows there's not a possession that hasn't been affected by sin. All affected by the load that they chose to bear. Now, folks, could we agree tonight... This is not what they bargained for. If they had known it was going to be like this, they would have never chosen to carry that load of sin. You see, early on, they said, you know what? We can bear it. We can hold up under it. We can carry the load of iniquity. We can handle it because it's worth the payoff of getting to do what we want to do. And so they thought they could handle that. They had no idea that chapter 5 would roll around and there was not a place, a person, or a possession that wasn't affected by the consequences of their sin. It's kind of like our internet at our house the other day. We, my wife pulled out the bill, you know, and you, you look at it, and she's the astute one in the house. I would just keep paying it as is, not paying attention. And she says, do you realize that since we moved here, uh, our internet was around $100, $110, and now it's up to about $140, $150? I says, what? She says, yeah, yeah, look at it. And we go in there, we look at it, and over the last two years, it's slowly but surely crept up, and now we're paying 150 We're paying what I used to pay as a car note just to have internet in our house. What happens? Well, we didn't have the immediate cost, but we now have a definite cost, and that's what sin does. You may not have the immediate cost of sin saying, you know what, I'm just going to throw holiness and righteousness and separation to the side because that's not popular. And immediately you may not have much of a cost from that. But can I tell you, you will have a definite cost. There are consequences to sin and those consequences to the load of sin are limitless. There's no place in your life that you can harbor sin that it can't spread to somewhere else. It's kind of like years, several years ago when we were in uh, Louisiana Somebody called my wife, and they told her that they uh, had a gift for her, and you know it's always exciting. Somebody has a gift for you, and uh, and so we went over to pick it up, and it was something called friendship bread. They ought to call it enemy bread. I'm just being straight up with you. My wife came home, and she had this Ziploc bag with a blob in it. That's exactly what it was—a bag with a blob in it. I said, "That's it." I didn't think it was worth the gas going over there to get it. It's this bag with a blob in it. I said, what is that? She says, it's friendship bread. I'm thinking, I don't know if they'd be much of a friend if that's what a friend gave me. You know, at least bake it first, but I understand how it works. Supposedly, what you do is, you know, you have that friendship bread, and you break off a piece, and you give it to a friend, and you give it to a friend, and you give it to a friend, and you watch that stuff in the bag, and it, look, it just keeps growing and growing, Look, there was a time we were in Louisiana when this thing was really, you know, a popular thing. I guess it was on Pinterest. You know, Pinterest has really caused a lot of grief in my life. I'll tell you that for sure. There was a time I lamented having so many friends. We were getting so much of that goo. 
Oh, thank you so much. Makes great catfish bait. No, you know, you're like, thank you so much for that another bag of goo. We needed another one, you know? And then you break it apart and you share it. Listen, that's the way sin is. The stuff just keeps growing. And after a while, you start sharing it with people. Look, the effects of sin and the consequences of bearing a load of sin is the fact it's limitless. It, look, that stuff has probably made it to China by now. I mean, because we all have friends, you know. It's, look, it was faster than Facebook spreading out around the place. Why? That's how sin works. That's why the Bible is very clear to us about sin and a little leaven leavening the whole what? Lump. I read that again today in Galatians chapter 5. And I found something interesting. Galatians 5, verse 7, the Bible says, you did run well. You're doing good. You're doing good. And it says, who did hinder you? So you were doing good until something came along or someone came along. Probably one of those friends. One of those, something came along and hindered you. But watch what verse 8 says. I've never really coupled these two verses together like this. That's what it says. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. It says, look, you've been contaminated. And then it goes on to say, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It says, you were doing good, and suddenly an influence came into your life, a something or a someone, and it's hindered your race. You're not running as good as you used to. And by the way, what that influence is, it's not from him. It says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. There are people tonight living with the consequences of harboring sin in their life. And if they were honest with you, and by the way, folks, we ought to be honest with people. Let's use our testimonies for the glory of God, not to glorify sin, amen? Let's use our testimonies to tell folks, look, you don't want to go where I went. And there's people living with the regrets of the consequences of the load of sin that they were under tonight, all because they started somewhere with something little that they thought they could carry. He said, you know what, I, I, can, I can hold up under that. I can think that thought, I can harbor that bitterness, or I can go that place, I can skip that service, and hey, it'll be okay. I can handle that, I can bear that. But the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. give you a prime example. Do you think Adam and Eve could have ever imagined what that one sin was going to do to the whole world for all time? you think they ever would have imagined? I do not believe Adam and Eve had the capability to imagine the effects of that sin. The Holocaust. The world wars. Afghanistan. Cancer. Kidnappings. Murders. It all goes back to that one little bit of leaven. And it poisoned the entire world for all time. You ever had a bad day? Go back to the garden. A little leaven has leavened the whole lump. You ever got mad at somebody? Somebody ever got mad at you? You ever said a bad word? You ever hit somebody? You ever stole something? Look, I'm thankful when we get to heaven, we're not going to live in these flesh bodies anymore or else there'd be a line at Adam and Eve's door. There would. Every person that died in the Holocaust, every person that had cancer, every person that fought a dreadful disease, 
all because they thought they could carry the load and didn't realize the load of sin is limitless. Jeremiah looks out and he says, there's nothing untouched. There's not a person that's not touched by it. There's not a place that's not touched by it. There's not a possession that's not touched by it. And God gave us Lamentations chapter number five. Why? He says, you better learn from it. Because you may not be a nation, but you have a home. And you have a heart. And you have children. And the very moment, listen, that we decide that we're going to harbor sin, thinking, you know what? I can contain it. You can contain it as just about as good as Adam and Eve could contain it. Spread to the entire world over 6,000 years ago, and the ball is still bouncing. And what we're dealing with right now in America goes back to that little bit of leaven that they thought that they could bear. Remember it this way. If sin is existing, it's expanding. If sin is existing, it's expanding. You, listen, you ever seen those little pygmy dogs, those little miniatures? You may even have one. I mean, you got some you can almost put in your pocket. You know, those little, I'm talking about real dogs. I'm not talking about stuffed animals. I'm talking about a real dog. And they stay little all the time. I mean, whoever invented those was, I mean, was, was amazing. Why? What's the biggest problem with puppies? They become dogs. And then you drive down the back roads like where I used to live and you dump them off and they come to our house. And you have a compassionate mother like I have back there and so she takes them in and feeds them. Mom and dad have taken in strays their whole life. It doesn't matter if it's pets, animals, people. It doesn't matter. Go take them in. Why? Compassion. All right, Jesus had compassion. And that little old dog, he stays little all the time. Wouldn't it be neat if sin was like those miniatures? They just stay little all the time? They don't. What's a puppy now is going to be a Great Dane in a little while. It is. It's going to be a St. Bernard in a little while. Why? You thought you could handle it, but the load of sin is limitless. We've often read about the Roman Empire, and they are notorious for some of the sadistic ways they would find to torture and punish and obviously kill people. Crucifixion is where we get our word uh, excruciating from. They would have people fight to the death and fight wild animals, but one, probably the most barbaric that I've ever read about, uh, was reserved for people not only sentenced to death, but it was reserved for people that they just despised. Not only did they want to kill you, but they wanted to kill you really bad. It's where, it's where we get our term dead weight from. Ever heard somebody say, look, you're just dead weight? You ever had to carry somebody out of a rushing river? Probably not. Don't like a whole lot of heroes in here tonight. Hope I'm never in a river with you. You say, man, you're like carrying dead weight? Well, what they would do for these people that they despised and would want to execute, but execute slowly, is they would take the corpse of someone they'd already killed and they would strap it to their back, skin on skin, and for days and even weeks, they would carry around that dead weight on their back as the body slowly rotted on their back. And that infection would slowly spread from the one that was on their back into the back of the living one. And slowly but surely, that person would become debilitated and they would die too. Why? Because they're carrying around dead weight and that dead weight is going to cause them to die. That's how sin works. This is why the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 8, verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. That means you got to get that stuff off of you that's going to kill you because the longer you hang on to it, the more it's corrupting your life and it's going to take you out. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to win. 
I'm not going to win. America, the great powerhouse of the world, is not going to win as long as we have the dead weight of sin carrying around on our back. Why? Because the load of sin is limitless. There's not one part of your life or your body it's not going to spread to. That's why the Bible says to mortify the deeds of the body. Now, here's something neat. You know me in words. The word mortify means liberate from the bonds of. The Bible says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. You say, well, I'm living in the flesh. How do, I, how do I get away from the flesh? The Bible says to liberate yourself. What did it say? Through the spirit from the bonds of it. You better be telling it what to do, not it telling you what to do. Or else the Bible says if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. That's why Hebrews 12 tells us to lay aside the weight, of, weight and sin. The weight and sin. The Bible says you can't function carrying around that weight. It's going to weigh you down. It's going to destroy you just as it destroyed the people we're reading about. So number one tonight, the load of sin is limitless. But then look down real quickly, if you would, to verse number five. The Bible says our necks are under persecution. So notice once again, the wordage here. They're under it. They're bearing a load. They're saying, we, we can't hold up to this. Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. Now, notice that word labor right there. Now, oftentimes, the load of sin doesn't seem hard at first, but slowly and surely, the longer you carry it, like the one sentenced to death by the Romans, you begin to labor. You see, that's the natural progress or progression of sin. The second reason sin is not worth its weight is because the load of sin is a labor. The load of sin is a labor. Now, here's what's amazing. It's ironic. Why does the devil, or what is one of the reasons the devil gives us for wanting to commit sin? Because it looks like those people that are living it up in sin are living the what? Easy life. I find it amazing. You go, you go down to go forward, and you know they have all the casino signs down there uh, on the way down. It's amazing. They're all the way going south on the right, but they don't have any on the way coming back. Why? Because the people coming back know that was a lie. On the way down, you see those people. Man, they're just rolling the dice, and man, they're just having a blast. Look, some of you who do it, tell me how to do it, okay? I don't know how it goes, okay? As I just see it on TV. I need some lessons from some of you professionals, okay? So you're on your way down. You see these signs. These people, boy, they're just having a good old time. You, you can just tell it, man. They're living it up, living a good life, living the easy life. That's what the devil tells you. Hey, look, you can afford to kick aside righteousness, holiness, separation, sanctified life. Even though it's in Scripture, you kick it away. You say, man, yeah, this does seem a lot easier. And now you're bearing the load of sin, but you're thinking, you know what? doesn't seem too bad. But after a while, you begin to labor. Sin always comes with labor. I, I thought about something. It's a little bit embarrassing, but it's the truth. Uh, the Longleaf Trace runs along the, uh, I guess, the west border of our property up there. And uh, I don't know, we have about a quarter, half a mile of our property. It's just that whole Longleaf Trace. So I decided, man, having your own walking track's great. And uh, so I decided before I got married, I was going to start jogging a little bit. You know, that my wife would marry just super buff, good-looking guy. I couldn't do a whole lot about the good-looking, but I could do something about the buff part. And, and so I said, I've gotten jog, and I got me some of those three-pound dumbbells. Somebody says, get you some dumbbells. So I got some three-pound dumbbells. And I'm going to go jogging. I picked them up at the store. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm 24 years old. I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I got this. 
So I get, I get the little three-pound dumbbells out there. didn't seem too heavy. Walmart paid for them. Went back to the house, you know. I got on some sweatpants, you know. Got ready to go out there and jog. And I started at the, at the trailhead there where our property's at. Took off running. I got about 100 yards. I couldn't breathe. Something was hurting right in here. I still don't know what it is. That's why I don't run anymore, because I think it's bad for me. I get this pain in my side every time I run over 100 yards. Some of you have the same problem? Maybe we should see a doctor together and figure out what that is. It just hurt. After a while, I'm like, at the store, it wasn't this hard. At the store, I'm like, I could have went with the fives at the store. Thank God I didn't. I could have never made it back to the house. That's the way the devil is when you go shopping at his store. I got this, man. It's not that big a deal. It's just one service. Hey, it's just looking at one thing I'm not supposed to look at. I'm just listening to one thing I'm not supposed to listen to. I mean, hey, not that big a deal. I can harbor just a little bit of bitterness in my life because 95% of my other heart is given to God. But remember, sin, the load of sin is limitless. It's going to spread. And then here's what's going to happen. You're going to see verse 5 start to take place. The Bible says you're now laboring under the load. The truth is tonight, living outside the will of God is the hardest work you will ever do. It is. I've done it. Living outside the will of God is the hardest work you will ever do. Now, folks, God wants us to understand tonight that we want no part, listen, of, of casting off the burden that comes along with being a believer and taking on the burden of the consequences of sin. God says you want no part of that. And God says, I love you so much, I recorded in vivid detail what happens when you do. You're going to start laboring. That's why Proverbs 13, the Bible says, verse 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of transgressors is hard. Do you know why life's so hard for us right now? It's hard for everybody. It's hard, listen, it's hard for Mississippi. It's hard for Alabama. Even though they won Saturday, it's still hard over there. You know why things are so hard for the world right now? Because the load of sin always brings labor. And it's the hardest work in the world when you're working outside the will of God. Let me show you real quick. Turn with me to Genesis, and I'll hurry. Genesis chapter number 3. Let's go back to that little bit of 11 that we talked about a while ago. Genesis chapter number 3. God's about to pronounce his judgment to Adam and Eve. Look down, if you would, to verse 14. Let's see what it did for the serpent. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now, folks, I don't know exactly what the serpent looked like. Could have been a snake, could have been a Komodo dragon. I don't know. Could have been that little guy on the Geico commercials. I don't know what he looked like. But it sounds to me like verse number 14, his life just got harder. He's going to have to labor now a whole lot harder. Verse 15, here comes the woman. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. You know, we don't use the term 
that a woman is in sorrow when she's giving birth. What do we use the term? She's in labor. She's in labor. Why? Because the load of sin is limitless. It always brings labor. It says, In thy conception, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And verse 17, he comes to Adam. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field and the sweat of thy face. You see, this is why we're going to line up at their door in heaven if we had that flesh body. What is he saying? He's saying the load of sin is limitless. It is now spread from Adam and Eve to the entire creation. And what is it bringing forth? Labor. Adam, you're going to have to work, man. What is his job before? His job was to dress and to keep the garden, okay? I'm not saying that wasn't work, but boy, it was joyful work. Why? Because sin wasn't there. No thorns, no thistles, no poison ivy, no love bugs, none of that stuff. I don't think they were there. I think the first love bug appeared somewhere around Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3. That's when the first one appeared, right there. Hurricane brought it in, right? The hurricane of sin brought it in, right there. What happened? Sin always leads to labor. You're going to have to work harder. Beautiful picture of that uh, in the book of Exodus when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai. Children of Israel down here having a party, man, having a good old time. They've decided, you know what? Gosh, following that God, that's just tough. That's a heavy load. That's a burden. Hey, you know what would be better? It'd be better if we created our own God. All right, all right, let's, let's create our own. So they go over here and they create their own. Moses comes down from the mountain. What does he do? He breaks those commandments, literally. God in his mercy and grace says, I'm going to give you another copy. But I want you to go up there with a hammer and a chisel. And I want you to chisel them out by yourself this time and bring me those tablets. It'd been a whole lot easier if Moses hadn't broken, wouldn't it? When he broke them, you know what it created? Labor. Moses, look, he had it given to him. All he had to do was keep it. But as soon as he broke them, God says, okay, now you go chisel out the next set. Now Moses is sitting there and he's laboring. Why? Because he did not realize that when sin and broken commandments always brings labor. Now, folks, tonight, look, we can either learn this or we can live it. And unfortunately, most people just choose to live it in their lives rather than learn it. You know, used to when you were arrested for something bad, they sentenced you to hard labor. I really think that's a great idea until they start arresting preachers. They start arresting preachers. I don't think it's a good idea anymore, okay? I want that air-conditioned college degree, you know, back up there like they used to do. But what a great idea that you had to get out there and you had to work at hard labor. Do you know what made that labor so hard? It wasn't just the hammer and breaking the rocks that they had to do. There was no reward for it. You know what your reward was at the end of the day? You went back to your cell. There wasn't a cake waiting on you. There wasn't a wife waiting there at the door with an apple pie baked for you. Welcome home from work, honey. No, it was a warden with a stick. There was no reward for it. Can I tell you, sin's the same way. The hard labor of sin, what makes it so hard is there's no reward for it. 
You know, it's wonderful to be able to go to work and you put your, your back into something and you put your, your sweat into something and at the end you sell it and you get money for it or you've got something from it. There's a reward for your labor, right? And boy, that makes all the labor. That's what the Bible talks about a lady who's in travail giving birth that she forgets after all of that. Why? Because a child, a son is born into the world. She forgets about it. Why? Because there's something at the end of the labor that made it all worth it. Except for sin. Sin is the one thing that will not give you a return on your investment of labor. It will work you and work you and work you and work you. And at the end of the day, guess what? There's nothing there. It's a rewardless labor. Back when I was in public school as a teenager, we went through uh, uh, Greek mythology in one of the uh, electives that I took. And we learned about the, uh, the character Sisyphus. Now go ahead and think it, because I'm, uh, I'm thinking it too. You know he got picked on. Sisyphus. I'm sure he was called Sissy Face if he was a real guy. <laughs> Sisyphus was a rascal, practical joker, who was always playing tricks on the gods, lowercase g. He was always pulling pranks. And after a while, the gods just got tired of Sisyphus's uh, mischievousness. Well, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? And he says, okay. Here's your punishment. You're going to take this big rock here at the bottom of the mountain, and you're going to roll it up that mountain. You get to the top of the mountain, you're done. So every day, Sisyphus would wake up. He would start rolling that rock up that hill, and just about the time he got it to the top, the rock would roll all the way back down to the bottom of the hill. And every day, he was condemned to roll that rock up, and every day he would roll back down, and he'd have to roll it back up every, every day. He had a rewardless labor. All that work and got nothing out of it. And that's what sin's going to do to you. Sin's going to make you labor. And it's going to put you through more than you ever thought possible when you were carrying this. You're thinking, why do I want to live? My lad, just poured, poured out your candy. What do you got candy in your backpack for? <laughs> Good grief. And you're thinking, this is too heavy. It's got to be easier on the other side. Oh, no, it's not. It's going to get you to the place where you labor so much. And have so little to show for it. Number two, the load of sin is a labor. Now, I'll show you real quickly before I close. I'm going to close on the third point. You say, well, why is it such hard labor? Think about Samson. Think about Samson. We see Samson, man, in the power of God doing great things, God using him. We know the story. He disobeyed God, had his hair cut. The Bible says he wished not that the power of God was gone from him. And then what do we see? What do we see Samson doing? We see Samson at the mill, his eyes are gouged out, and Samson's walking around that olive press, slowly laboring. And do you know what, what made it so hard? You know, used to that wouldn't have been hard for Samson. But what makes it hard is he's doing it without God. That's what makes this labor so tough. Do you know why they're crushing under and it's upon them and they can't carry it? They're doing it without God. There's no labor harder than laboring without the power of God. That's why oftentimes, folks, we miss Philippians 4. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through him. But all of a sudden, you cast him off to go your own way. You're on your own. And the labor without the Lord is tragically, tragically hard. Think about America. We're laboring tonight. I mean, we are laboring we're getting to those last breaths of our nation's life and we're struggling. And what makes it so sad 
is we're laboring alone. Why? What does the Bible say? Isaiah 59, 2, and I'm going to close quickly. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, there's separation between us and God, and we're laboring, and we're laboring all alone. Why? Because we chose to carry the load of sin and the consequences that come with it. The load of sin is labor. Finally, and we're done, probably the most sad part of chapter 5 is when you look down to verse number 7. Our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. We see tonight the load of sin is limitless. There's no part of your life that it will not reach to. People, places, possessions, it doesn't matter. Sin will reach them. If it's existing, it's expanding. Then we see sin is a labor. You're going to work, and it's going to work you, and it's lonely work because you're working without God. Finally, we see in verse 7, it says, Our fathers have sinned, and we have borne their iniquities. Do you know, I'm sure when their father sinned, their father says, Do you know what? I'll carry the load of the consequences of sin. I'll carry them. There's, listen, folks, there's folks right now at this very hour making that choice. People I know, people you know, maybe friends, maybe family. Okay, I know I'm out of the will of God. I'm going to accept the consequences of that. But notice the third thing about the load of sin we've got to see tonight. Notice the load of sin is lasting. The load of sin is lasting. If there's anything that should give us pause in attempting to carry the load of sin, it should be the fact that this load could become one of your most unwanted family heirlooms that you pass it down to the next generation. Notice what verse 7 says. Our fathers have sinned and are not. They're gone. Even though those who chose to carry the consequences of sin are gone and we have borne their iniquities, they've inherited the load of sin. Now, folks, this ought to give us pause tonight. Anytime we're tempted to flirt with a little bit of leaven, that that leaven could be an inheritance to my children that's going to burden them down no matter what comes our way. Listen, bitterness, sin, immorality, doesn't matter. I can't harbor that in my life because it could spread to my child. And one day, long after I am not, my kid's bearing the load of my sin. And you look at sin and you say, I can't afford it. It's just a three-pound dumbbell. You just look at the clerk of the devil and say, I can't afford that. It's going to cause me to labor, and it's going to be lasting in the life of my children. I can't carry that load. And we see verse 7. It's spelling it out. It's exactly what happens, and we see it on a daily basis happening around us, all around our world, even in churches. My wife's grandmother passed away several years ago, Memo Murphy. And, uh, boy, she was a short little spitfire of a Cajun woman. And I love visiting with her. She was one of those that gave you a kiss on both cheeks. Hey, baby, you know how those Cajuns do. You know, it kind of caught me off guard the first time I met her, to be honest with you. And, uh, boy, I went down and preached her funeral uh, down in Gonzales, I think it was. And, and I thought I was in a mob family. I sure did. Had those little short mustaches. We were in this great big old house and went out back, and they're cooking over a big pot, guys in black suits. I knew there's people buried all in those flower beds. I just knew that's probably what happened based on them. Just that Cajun kind of, you know. 
Oh, Mamaw Murphy died, and I got to go into her house, and Leslie got to go in, and uh, her, uh, her mom and dad were there. It was her dad's mom, and uh, they're going to get to pick something as their inheritance. You get to pick something from Mamaw. She had beautiful tea sets in her house and all these things, and even though I'm just a son-in-law, they love me like I was born into the family, and they, they let me pick too. And boy, I said, really? Like anything? I wanted that little hover around scooter. Somebody already put dibs on it. I just really, that's what I wanted, but somebody already had that. So I'm walking around the house and just kind of look at tea, you know, tea sets, not so much my thing. And, and then I saw it. I should have brought it. I should have brought it. I saw it. There in the corner behind her door, about three feet long, red in color, was one of those as seen on TV gophers. Did you get stuff off shelves? And I was like, that's it. That's my inheritance from Mamaw. To this day, I still got it. I don't know if she's got her tea set. I don't know if she uses her tea set. I still got that thing. As I walked through there, looking at the inheritance, I said, you know, I, I want something that, uh, that I can use. Don't have to lean over and pick up the garbage anymore. I just walk in my yard and just pick it up with this little gopher. And so to this day, I have that inheritance. And I'm so thankful for my little gopher that my grandmother-in-law left me something useful. I pray tonight we leave the next generation something useful. I hope we do not leave them a load of sin. Sin has a long shelf life, and it's going to last. Ask Achan, who stole the gold and the silver and the Babylonian garment. It's just me, it's just me. I'm going to bury it in my tent, and he buried it there. But before it was all said and done, his children would die being stoned because of their father's sin. Remember Eli? Eli wouldn't discipline his sons. He allowed his sons to live wickedly, even in the house of the Lord. It would cost them all their life because of what dad allowed. The sin would be passed to his kids. We see it with David. And the sad thing is what could have been. Verse number two, it talks about their inheritance. Do you know what their inheritance should have been? that promised place that God had provided for them. That was their inheritance. And yet now we see in verse number seven, rather than inherit their, their parents' promises, they're inheriting their parents' problems. All because someone thought they could handle the load of sin. Now, folks, could we just learn from Lamentations tonight? Couldn't we just learn? So well, I come from the school of hard knocks. Well, there's some things I've had to learn too, the school of hard knocks. But you know what? God says there's no reason for you to have to relive what somebody else already lived. I left you an example. So why don't you learn these lessons of lamentations tonight? Understand the load of sin is limitless. You can't corral it. It's going to spread into every part of your life and your home all over the world. Sin is a labor. It may be easy right now. You're thinking, huh, I'm getting away with it. Oh, no, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Sin's a labor. And most frighteningly tonight, sin is lasting. The parents were gone, and yet the kids are still dealing with the trouble. Why don't we decide tonight, you know what? We're going to offload the load of sin. We all carry it sometimes. Let's not act like we don't. We all carry it in our lives, and we think, you know what? I know I shouldn't hold on to that, but it's okay. It's limitless, it's a labor, and it's going to last. But if we repent tonight of it, we can make sure we leave behind our kids something that they can use. So our heads bowed tonight, our eyes.